Welcome to the Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Mike. Today, we are excited to be joined by Andrew Hutton. Andrew is founder and CEO of Day One, which helps new entrepreneurs launch businesses. It's, it's like an incubator, uh, and he helps entrepreneurs uh, that are sort of outside of the tech world. So more like small businesses, uh, like pizza parlors and, you know, things that the average sort of normal person might start and not someone who's trying to raise uh, $10 million in venture capital funding uh, to get going. Uh, and he combines his experience in the tech world, which he has a history of that. He also worked in venture capital for a while. And that's where he recognized there was this gap. And uh, so he had this idea of starting day one to help uh, entrepreneurs get launched. Bela, I'm really excited about this guest. When you told me that Andrew was going to be on, I looked up uh, his company. And, you know, this is a really kind of cool niche and a really, I think, unserved need, which which to me makes a lot of sense. And it's great that there's somebody out there, I think, providing uh, these type of services to, I think, what we would call the non-glamorous side of entrepreneurship, where there's a real need. So this is great. All right. Without uh, further ado, let's get right to it and give your interview with Andrew Hutton a listen. Hello, listeners. Bela here. Today's guest is Andrew Hutton. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Day One. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Bela, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, great. So let me ask you a question. Uh, if you're at a social event, uh, a non-work social event, and uh, someone comes up to you, they introduce themselves to you, and then they ask you, Andrew, what do you do? How do you answer that question? I usually say, are you ready for 10 minutes? Uh, <laughs> I usually uh, very much have to uh, prepare them or do you want to talk startups all night? So I definitely uh, sometimes start there. But but no, I tell folks that uh, I'm in the business of helping early stage entrepreneurs. Uh, I've been doing that for, for the last few years. First, as you know, where I, where I was before building and launching day one, I was a place called Human Ventures, and and we launched businesses. And uh, I was supporting the entrepreneurs doing it, guiding them, pushing them, prodding them, helping them, putting on the the, the gloves and getting into the to the work with them. And then day one is is, is an extension of that. I I just love doing it so much. I said, let's go try and uh, build something on my own that would let me uh, keep supporting entrepreneurs, keep helping entrepreneurs. But actually, here's the twist but really open up the gates, really help more different types of entrepreneurs. Um, and, you know, I'm most interested in um, helping people who come from really outside of tech and venture, right? Folks who come from corporate careers, who come from industry, uh, maybe tech adjacent, you know, it's hard to escape the sort of aura of Silicon Valley these days, but, you know, I know a lot more folks are outside of the bubble than inside. Uh, but we're in a golden age of entrepreneurship. And so in some ways I see day one as being a, a place for folks to an entree, a, a launch pad into building their own thing onto entrepreneurship. And, and so, yeah, I'm supporting entrepreneurs and I love to support new entrepreneurs. Maybe that's the quick way I should say it uh, yeah. each time. Yeah. So a, as an entrepreneur, you have started an entrepreneurial endeavor. Exactly. It's very meta. It's very meta. Yeah. So t tell me about that. So where did the inspiration come from? Okay, I'm going to blaze off on my own, right? The, the sort of uh, accelerator, incubator space is pretty crowded. 
right? Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. And yeah. full disclosure, I, I used to run the incubator at uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Amazing. Back Amazing. in the 90s, right? So it was, uh, they claim it was the first uh, university-based incubator. Um, and I was there subsequent years. And uh, so I know a little bit about what you guys do, but there's a lot of them around now. So there you know, really as any entrepreneur, when you're starting a new endeavor, you, get, you need to think about competition. Why are people going to pick me versus somebody else? So share with us how you sort of thought, think about that. Absolutely. Um, I think an incubator in the cloud is, is not a terrible way to envision us. Although I think you have to, like you said, you know, know what an incubator is. The model um, has been around for a while. I think they are great and they serve the niche. Um, accelerators seem to have sort of overtaken the idea of an incubator. There's an accelerator in every city. There's big, fancy accelerators um, that get a lot of press. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. So where, where I was coming from was, in, was, was from one of these institutions, right? I was inside a, what we call a venture studio, but an early stage venture capital firm that was building and incubating our own businesses. So um, what, what from, from the inside, it was really easy to see that the vast majority of entrepreneurs are not even getting close to these institutions, right? The vast majority. And in some ways, a lot of folks from inside venture capital have the blinders on where our, our world is defined by the entrepreneurs that we support, the tech, the, the folks who speak the, the, the one language. But if you just take, there's a number of ways to take a step back, you know, I'll, order of magnitude, it's at most 1% of all the entrepreneurial activity, right? It does not account for the folks building small businesses, small businesses that will become big businesses, lifestyle businesses, bootstrappers, um, folks who are just building a coaching practice or an agency. In these days, that means a podcast or a newsletter, um, folks who are starting a pizza parlor or a car dealership. Entrepreneurship is so much bigger than the, the, the tech bubble. And I'm sort of, again, I'm sort of on the inside. I, I, um, I'm here, I, what, I, what I see day one being, as a, like you said, a differentiator, is how do we take all the things that um, are largely necessary? You know, uh, it takes a village to build a business, right? I don't, you know, there's, there's, I'll come at the other side for a second. It takes a village to build something, right? Nobody actually builds in a vacuum. If you think there's this like hero story of somebody, you know, launching a business, I don't know who you might have noticed IPOing recently. No, they came from somewhere. They came from a home. Um, they probably had a whole VC ecosystem, whether they're from Silicon Valley or here in New York or wherever they might be. And so what we're trying to build at day one is that ecosystem, that village, that home, for entrepreneurs who don't come from the bubble, who are coming from wherever they're coming from, building whatever they're going to build. And you know, I think entrepreneurship is just this thing that should be open, accessible, democratized. And, and yeah, we're trying to be that place. Yeah, um, yeah. It, I think there's a lot to it. Uh, I, I struggle when I want to you know, get passionate about it to get it down into those few words. So, so t t t tell me where we go next, because I'd love to kind of unpack it as, uh, yeah. as you see fit. Yeah, well, this is great because, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I ran an incubator and then I, I ran a VC firm. I started a, a venture capital fund, early stage, seed stage venture fund, yeah. um, which is still around today, uh, doing quite well. They're based in the city. Uh, and... Uh, so I, I understand exactly what you're saying about mm. sort of VC-funded uh, entrepreneurs represent, you know, 1% of all the entrepreneurs. And, and you have to 
you have to fit a certain, certain flavor. You have to be of a certain flavor to sort of get in that door. And if you're not of that flavor, it's, it's still a great business thing to do, right? Yes. And I, I can remember sitting through many pitches and saying, you got yourself a great business here. It's not a venture fundable business, but it's exactly. a great business, right? So stop knocking on the venture door because exactly. venture gets all the PR. It gets all of the, the PR, right? But it accounts for just a small percentage of the actual businesses. So this notion of what you're doing, I think, is, 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 is really good. So to help me unpack this a little bit, let's go back to, to Andrew as a young lad. So where'd you, where'd you, where'd you grow up? Uh, yeah. Talk, talk, talk yeah. to me about your journey. I don't think I, I grew up in Connecticut, um, you know, the farther, farther reaches of the New York city suburbs, um, grew up in what was definitely giants land, even though I became a Patriots fan. Um, <laughs> I was a, you know, a traitor to, to most of the people around me. Um, and you know, no, but no, that, 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 that was a great place to be. I would say, you know, fast forward to some formative times I was went through undergrad and was going to, you know, thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And luckily by the time I ended undergrad decided not to be a lawyer. Um, it sort of, you know, happened slowly than all at once. And I was realized it was probably a impulse decision to think I wanted to be a lawyer and a better impulse decision to say, no, let's, let's go on whatever the next thing is. Um, the, the decision to be undecisive, uh, that definitely started me off to say like, where do I go? How do I navigate this world of business? How do I, um, who's building stuff. I wanted to, I didn't want to do finance. I didn't want to do law. This is, this is the 21 year old thinking about their, their life decisions. Sure. I can do, you know, was never going to be a doctor, tried being a lawyer, didn't want to do finance. I thought that was like all business wise. So I was like, what's left again, almost everything is left, right? <laughs> Those <laughs> exactly. are not the end all be alls of industry. Right. What's and, left? And, like everything, everything. Yeah. So I kind of went and said, let's do everything. I, I got, I think I had a decently, I got a good start. I got started both at in grad school at Parsons. Um, so it's design school, but I got a business degree from a design school. So putting kind of both sides of the brain together from early on that, um, that was very formative as well as getting my start at Accenture. So I was a consultant for about four years. I uh, got to see how the business world works. Um, got to add a lot of experiences up and, and yeah, it was kind of the sum of those two journeys interweaving grad school, design thinking, design, and, management consulting leading to eventually innovation consulting a lot of buzzwords here but um sort of parlayed all that said hey i'm going to consult in i want to get actually close to the action right i have all these great ideas or i'm paid to have these ideas with clients and customers but nothing gets built so the real builders are these entrepreneurs right so there was there was another sort of moment it was a bit of a just uh man entrepreneurs are the real builders let's go hang out with them right and uh found my way to uh, this place called Human Ventures where the the, the journey really accelerated um, yeah. le almost directly leading to day one because I learned pretty much all the tools of the trade inside of that venture firm and uh, and they they get applied inside of day one. Yeah. So <laughs> what did you do at Human Ventures? What was your role there? Yeah, uh, I was our first business designer, which means I was designing, thinking about how things should come together, businesses, right? How should a business work? And we got we got to paint from a blank canvas. So the way our model works, we would recruit an entrepreneur who was at the zero stage, blank canvas stage. You know this, no entrepreneur is, has nothing. They have a notebook of ideas. They have burning problems to solve. You know, we were usually working with entrepreneurs who were 
onto their second or third thing. So, you know, they did their, their one thing and they kind of accrued all this sort of, I want to, you know, solve a big problem next. So that's where I would get folks who are, who are, um, at the very beginning wanting to solve something big. And I had an amazing role. I, I was their Sherpa, their guide. Um, I knew the innovation process. I knew design thinking. I could lead them down this, not this, this kind of ambiguous road of nothing to something. And, you know, sometimes that looks like very widely exploring multiple, you know, business ideas. Sometimes the founder sort of knew where they wanted to be and we went deep and, and pivoted around until we got somewhere. But the goal, you know, was to help these entrepreneurs go from nothing to something and then to put the meat on the bones of what that something was. So what do we, where do we start building? How do we start to test and then acquire customers? Uh, you know, we were building towards the venture playbook. So we had to think about, you know, where does this scale? How do we think about the team growing? What's the funding need to look like? So we basically, got, again, at some ways we were painting a blank canvas and then we'd start to do a little paint by numbers. What's the market size? What's the problem? What's the solution? What's the growth strategy? And we'd fill all these buckets in and the founder would then, you know, I would get them, to lead them to the pitch. Um, they would pitch, you know, inside of our firm. We sort of had the two sides, the build and the, the, the investment side. Uh, I started to, you know, lead the build team over after, after my first boss left and, um, yeah, continued to basically take entrepreneurs and these nascent startups up to a pitch and then I'd get to go back and do it again, which is, which yeah. was just like the most fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, in, in day one, uh, what was your biggest challenge in sort of getting that off the ground? Yeah. Because it's sort of a nebulous concept I mean, in is. some ways, right? It's not like it I want to start yeah. a pizza parlor, right? Or I, I, I want to do a so, new kind of widget, I, right? I mean, I think you then, uh, yeah, thank, thank, you nailed the biggest challenge, which is how do we truly articulate the fact that it's new? You know, we don't have a brand. No one knows what we are with by, by like just knowing who we are. So, yeah, we have to define all that. We're still very young ourselves. And luckily, um, we've tapped into sort of a rich vein of the zeitgeist. This is happening. Entrepreneurs are coming out of the woodwork. Um, you know, the pandemic and COVID have, accelerated a lot of things, including this, right? Um, over the summer when we launched, you know, it was really, things were shaking up, right? People were, were losing jobs. People were, you know, moving out of cities. And I think everyone sort of felt both, you know, it wasn't like a renewed sense of optimism, but it was a sort of renewed sense of, you know, let, let's take, make some moves. Right. And so, you know, over the summer we recruited our first cohort and, you know, to be fair, our, you know, there's, 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 you know, when a startup has early success, it's often, um, you know, there's always a watch out on the other side of it, right? Because that early success is almost certainly not what's going to be repeatable. What's going to be the thing that takes you to the, to the, to the promised land of, you know, a sustainably successful business. So, luckily, we had a good kind of wind at our backs when we launched in the summer. Um, I'll tell you, we learned so much from our first group. Like those first members of our of our program were. They're like family. They are like found. They're founders. They're founding members of of what day one uh, is. And and you know we feel fortunate that we were along for the ride to support them and help them grow. Um, they told us what we were right. They told us where we were adding value. They told us um, um, who we should be you know targeting next. And so yeah, we're definitely working through the articulation of who we are, who we are best serving. Um, because I, you know, I'll step 
back from day one and talk to myself as an entrepreneur, you have to pick a niche. You have to be focused. You, you can't boil the ocean. So day one started as we're the support for all these early stage founders who've never had support. We're support for the other 99%. By definition, we picked the unniche. We, we picked the, 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 the rest of everybody. And so, so it's been a journey to figure out, okay, we are really serving folks, like I, I kind of mentioned earlier, is, is the latest articulation of this mental and sort of learning journey, not just mental, because we've been building with our customers, learning so much. Folks who will have these experiences, these life experiences, entrepreneurship is somewhere on the horizon. Either it's been you know overdue and they're jumping and they need somewhere to build, or they're feeling the sort of you know pending <laughs> sort of build right. up of of this is where I'm going next. And and yeah, we're here to support those sort of newly minted entrepreneurs and yeah. give them the tools and the the place to build. Yeah, very nice. So, did you secure funding to to launch your thing off the ground, or is this a bootstrap thing? It's uh, you know, yes and yes, right? We we did secure some funding. We we basically um, pulled uh, you know from some from friends, uh, friends and family around, essentially, right? Folks who were who knew us, myself and my co-founder Rahul, who believed in us, um, believed in the business. Um, we raised this little bit of money, sort of in between after we had recruited our first cohort before we had launched it. So we found like that tight window to say, this is working enough. You know, we have some belief in us, but you know, we don't treat this as a venture scale or a venture uh, kind of trajectory business, right? We're not here to try to go sell first round on the next big thing. Um, you know, we might raise more money, but it'll be on probably different terms. Hopefully our terms, right? Hopefully, um, you know, we intend to go build a real business that just cash flows enough. So, you know, at some point, you know, debt is in our future at some points, different types of funding mechanisms. Um, it's, it's a super sticky subject that I am glad have, I've lived through, you know, recently because most founders I talk to in their first three, six months, they sort of think, okay, I must go get that money. And I'm like, no, you have to build a business and yes, money is important. Uh, at some point you'll maybe need it to get over a hump or, or even survive, but money is not the thing. Like you, you can't just think you have an idea and therefore it deserves money and therefore you'll build a business. Right. You at the very least you have to show you've got something, uh, you know, you show you can build that you have something of value. You have a reason for taking in some money to, to, to do something with it. Um, so no, we're, we're, we're trying to live what we preach and be a sort of hybrid, yeah. right? Got our first 75 grand in the bank and now we're going to go pretty far with that. Yeah. So if I'm a, if I'm a budding entrepreneur and I yeah. come knocking on your door at day one, I, is it day one.com? It's join day one.com. Join day one.com. Uh, so I, I, I send you an email. I say, Hey, Andrew, um, I'm thinking about starting a business. Take me through the process. Take me through your vetting process, what you yeah. look for, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So we are unlike, again, probably everyone else in the venture world, we're not really that interested in what you're building. It's 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 not my job, nor is it that interesting to me at the at the start to say like, oh man, that's a bad idea or that's a good idea, right? I will tell you that once you're in and I will hopefully lead you down a path. And I say me, I mean, our whole system will, will lead you down a path to seeing if it's really a good idea, your idea, your business, help you pivot if it's not right. I don't want to lead you in, you know, 
we're not here to just give pats on the back, right? So no, we don't really focus on the strength or scale or anything of the idea. It's purely the entrepreneur. And what we're looking for is, again, also not some sort of they are this founder incarnate, right? We're looking for people who have the have a trajectory, who have the ability to learn, who have horsepower, they're intelligent, they're articulate, they're ambitious, they're um, interesting, right? So again, it's closer to potential than it is sort of you know, a, an outcome driven form. So that's what we're looking for on the founder side, right? The other side, actually, actually, it's two sides of the founder. It's that it's the sort of intellect, the entrepreneurial potential, along with being a great community member for, for day one, right? If you are here to take and you're not here to collaborate and give, um, one, I don't think you're going to go far in general, but um, we really don't want you in day one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of that clear. We very much are building a ecosystem that is community driven, um, and we we it's not just self serving for day yeah, one that yeah. people help each other. We know it's the sort of gift that keeps on giving long term. So yes. we very much recruit for. Uh, good people joining yeah. our program. Yeah, someone once described that that to me as it's sort of like a bank account. You have to make several deposits before you can make withdrawals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I, I again back to my I have a very core premise, right? It, I mean, I'm not again the author of this. It takes a village, right? It really, really does. And your personal village is the some of the people who trust you, who who believe in you, and you're gonna have you know maybe those come from the previous jobs you've had or people yeah. you've helped out along the way, right? But you make deposits before you yes, <laughs> before you, right. you uh, before you take it out. So uh, earlier you said a cohort. So this sounds like it's a cohort, just sort of like a class that- uh, It is, a yeah. Sort of a structured program that we go through. It's not sort of a come and go as you please. It's much more of a structured program. Yeah, and, and honestly, that might be one of the bigger differences to what I, you know, when I think of an incubator, I think of a place that- is incubating. There's a long-term, long gestation period. You know, you know, um, you you go to a usually a physical place, right? There's the desks. There's an ecosystem. A lot of those pieces, ecosystem, community. Um, we are not set up quite like that, right? We are set up as a time-bound cohort-based program. So our program is an eight-week journey, and the primary reason that we use a time-bound is not because we think entrepreneurship starts and ends in eight weeks, right? It's actually much closer to an incubator. It's an ongoing thing. You, you, you need this community. And I'll get to that because day one has an evergreen aspect to it. But the eight weeks is meant to be where you focus your energy, right? We're corralling the community together. And it takes that amount of like that time period allows us to, to ask you to lean in, to collaborate, to be a community and to go hard on your ideas, right? To not dilly dally um, um, kind of through the program. Yes, you can pretty much audit everything if you'd really like to, but I think you get the most out of it by treating it like, you know, we're going to kind of like a gym. We're here to kick your butt a little bit along the way, right? So eight-week journey is the sort of entree to day one. But in that journey, we are pushing you to build your business, right? We're pushing you, guiding you, teaching you, you're learning, you're collaborating, uh, but it is the business building journey, right? It's um, taking an idea and unpacking it, putting it into the world and making it real with prototypes and MVPs, talking to your customer and getting their feedback, yeah. pitching your idea and forming a narrative. So, you know, what we've, what I've unpacked through, again, a number of years doing this is what are the core muscles that entrepreneurs need to repeat over and over again? 
we're going to go through those once or twice in this eight-week program, right? And now you're you're armed. You're 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 able to go do this. You've pushed your business forward immensely, uh, and your community is around you now. These people who are believers are they don't go away. So yeah. day one has an evergreen alumni aspect to it as well. And you know we're early. Who knows what happens down the road? We'd love. We know there's more problems and challenges that you face. Who knows what day two looks like? We'll All figure right. that out over time. So if I if I sign up for this at the end of my eight week uh, uh, gig with with you guys, yeah, what uh, what do you hope I have at the end of that? What sort of the tangible things that I as an entrepreneur would have at the end of that? Yeah, I you know I mean very tangibly you'll have built something. You'll have talked to your customers in a clearly structured way that you probably didn't before. So. What, what I know you're going to come away from doing these entrepreneurial build, test, learn activities is you'll gain real insights and real progress and real direction about your business that you will never have had from just thinking about it, from just talking about yeah. it, whatever it might be, right? So your business will become clear. Your business will be advanced. You'll see it come to life before your eyes. Um, and this happens for anybody, whether you're at the very beginning, this is the first time you're doing it, or if you've got an MVP built, if you've already started talking to customers, we're pushing you along the way. So the idea of, you know, eight, eight months and eight weeks sort of applies towards what's the outcome here. Um, the, you know, we, we see a lot of founders essentially becoming investable at the end of these eight weeks, right? That's not hard and fast. I will never say that, you know, eight weeks to money, right? I don't. Sell, try to sell that. I, I don't believe in it. But by going through this, the stuff, the program, you're pushing and pressure testing the pieces that are needed to be investable. Yeah. Frankly, when, and when you if say, you want it, <laughs> and when you say investable, you're thinking debt, Kickstarter, I, right? exactly, 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 friends That's and family, it, right? It's, you're not thinking VC. The, no, I'm thinking your first, your first foray into the capital raising, yeah. right? So Kickstarter. Uh, exactly. Friends and family. Um, I mean, this, there's a whole other podcast we got to record on sort of this like unbundling of early stage venture. And I think it's fair to say early stage venture is on the other side of some of these other capital sources, right? You should try to raise money from your customers even before you. It's the best way. Raise money. It's the best way. I have always First, said the to best them. Best way to raise money is from your customers. (laughs) You're on it. You're on it. Um, (laughs) And uh, and again, and it keeps your optionality. Like once you take a VC check, the the clock is ticking. Life is different. You're on a certain Um, set of train tracks, man, and you can't you can't get off. You might get kicked off, but you can't get off. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. They've thrown you off the cliff, and you better build that plane before you hit. So, so no, we we see people. um, No, we're actually. uh, we, we, we try to give people a platform to make their case, right? But again, we're not the funding shop, right? right we're not here right, for right, like, right. this is where you get money. We're here, this is where you build a business and come away with a firm foundation for whatever you want to do next. Yeah. Um, and what are, what, mean, are the, uh, what are the economics for me as an entrepreneur? So if I want to sign up for this, Super uh, simple. Does it cost me? Yeah, take me through that. Cost you, cost you a buck, but no equity, no um, nothing on that front, right? So we're trying to switch the 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 molds, right? And well, we're switching it. We're saying this is not an investment. This is not an equity transaction. You could sort of say we could give you money and take equity. Um, lots of founders. Well, again, let's. It's easy to unpack why that could. You know, a lot of founders love that and want that. But if you're not going to go venture, that's not useful for you. A lot of founders, it's not 
the greatest deal anymore, right? So let's maintain optionality, you know, figure out what kind of investment you need down the road, right? So we're just not investors. Um, we don't have an equity transaction. You're too early. We we're not exploitative. We believe in you. Um, we would love to, you know, see you grow huge and we might be kicking ourselves down the road, but we'll have known you along the way is sort of a fun thing we, we lean on. But no, we're, we're very clearly um, a fees for a service, right? And it highly aligns us. Every single fellow in day one, um, you know, you go through an application process, right? It's not an open community, but, you know, you apply and you pay um, $9.99 for our upcoming cohorts in 2021. And you uh and we're here to serve you every every ounce of our energy is is in every yeah. single fellow yeah um and it's I can't and tell you it's, many times I've, it's virtual yeah. right so i don't i don't have to be in brooklyn exactly you can be you can be wherever you find uh we we have folks coming from from europe middle east india nice. south america um you know if you if you come from bali the time zone might be a little hard but otherwise right. we uh we make it work for you right and and what's the what's sort of if you had to describe your ideal candidate or prospect how would you characterize the ideal ideal prospect? They are somebody who's who's you know whether it's lived experience or professional experience has come to some sort of entrepreneurial passion, right? And and I and I truly mean you could be a high school or a college senior. I don't think we have any high school students just yet. A college senior, or you could be a twenty year vet. Um, some passion that says I'm going to solve something. I think the 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 it's in the air that you can go do that yourself, right? Entrepreneurship is possible, accessible until it's not, right? So it's someone with this with this passion that's built from experience, built from, you know, personal or professional lived life and um and and and, and is self-aware and knows enough to know they need that village behind them, right? That why 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 would you jump into what is probably the newest, scariest thing of your life without some some people behind you, right? You uh you know, you wouldn't do that with any other career change with any other, you know, big endeavor. Uh, and so, but entrepreneurship, it's, that's been the sort of status quo. Yeah. So someone's self-aware to know I, I should have a trainer. I should have somebody in my corner. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and we're building just the best ecosystem for that. Yeah. So is this, uh, this eight week journey that we would take together, is it, is it like a buffet? I pick and choose what I want or is it much, is it more of a, a rigid kind of program? It's, it's 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 a yes and again, right? We provide a buffet of different ways that you can interact with your peers, with mentors, experienced founders, um, with investors um, who will hear a pitch and give you feedback when you're way too early to ever really have that shot. Otherwise, um, for folks who are you know telling, teaching workshops and talks, so every week there is a bit of a menu. There is a bit of a, of a buffet. It is structured across eight weeks with a, a bit of a learning journey, but then at the core of it, really, it is the core of it. And, and I would hope some very large percentage of every fellow of every fellowship goes through this journey. Um, we're a little too early to know exactly the uptake. Uh, is a structured uh, company building process, right? Um, it is the steps you take when you go from idea to paper with a business model from paper to customer and talk to them from customer to prototype to customer again, building and testing to a narrative and a pitch. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so if you kind of, there is a, there's a moment where you can sort of turn off the critic. One thing I find far too often, almost universal is the analysis paralysis, the amb ambiguity of early stage 
is is a special kind of hard. You don't know exactly the next step to take. So we, we take that down. We basically say, hey, listen, trust us. We're going to tell you what to do. You don't have to make these meta decisions about what sprint should I be on this week or next week. We're just going to go do it. And we know these are the important things. We're putting them in the right order. Afterwards, you're going to now be able to mess it up. You're going to be able to do more of one thing and less of another and double down hard in one space. But we're going to give you the stuff. You're going to push everything forward. You're going to learn. You're going to do. And you're going to come out the other side with that progression. And with, like I said, I, I treat it like a bookshelf. You can add these books to your bookshelf and pull them off whenever you need them. Uh, so, yeah, we try to make a both and because the world of entrepreneurship is cannot be that cookie cutter, yeah. right? Yeah. So we, we, we allow for that. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating. Uh, I'm trying to limit these to about 30 minutes or so. So we've, we've hit the, we 30. could go forever, Bela. Yes, I, I, I can. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is, this is a subject uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, and it's one of the reasons we do the podcast, right? It's it, the, the whole idea of the podcast was this notion of, of bringing people like yourself and other entrepreneurs who've and, and described their journey and you kind of making that available for people to consume. Again, we don't talk about, I don't think we've had any firm on here that has been received venture funding, <laughs> right? So it's, it's, we're, we're going after a different slice of that pie. Yes. Right. We're yes. going after as you are. So, um, I, I get it. I get it. Amazing. Amazing. I, I, you're doing the Lord's work, Bela. I'm a, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share a little bit. I, uh, you know, would love to r run it back and talk about all the other things, right? Why is this so necessary? Where did we go? I'd love to interview you and hear about some of the journey you've been on. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you've done that for your podcast yet, but no, it's, um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Same here. So if someone wants to get a hold of, uh, Andrew Hutton, what's the best way to do that? Uh, I mean, you should check out www.joindayone.com dot com uh you know it's got all the as much information as, as you can find but um you'll i'll tell you there's a little button at the bottom that says talk to a team member that goes to my inbox so <laughs> so you could write me like uh fill out the form like you're emailing me um honestly it's andrew at join day one.com if you're uh if you're into just like hitting it up i'd love to chat with you we're in um you know we're in stay close to customer mode you know we're, we're definitely not too too big for our bridges to uh to come talk. So please reach out. We'd love to, to hear from you. All right. Oh, excellent. 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 So, uh, folks, I'll have all of that information in the show notes. Uh, Andrew, you've been a great guest. I really enjoyed this. I, I think we could go on for several hours here. I'm sure. I think so. Uh, and maybe, uh, at some point in time, we'll have you back on the show and get an update on how things are going and, uh, we'll take it from there. Thanks again we'll for being on that. the show. Thanks so much, Bela. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah. Wow, Bela, what a great story. I, I thought this was a fantastic interview. Um, it just struck me. I really do feel like Andrew found an underserved niche. What do you think? Well, a couple of things here, Mike. Uh, number one, uh, finding an underserved niche is rule number one for being an entrepreneur, right? If you want to build a successful business, uh, you have to figure out a way to sort of uh, differentiate yourself uh, from others in a way that has value to your customers or to the folks who you think will be your customers. And in many ways, uh, this reminds me of what you and I are trying to do in this podcast, right? This podcast is about uh, providing information and helping our initial idea on this and continues to be our concept is helping these sort of entrepreneurs who have the uh, everyday businesses, the small businesses, and not the ones that are out there looking for to raise $10 million in venture capital and have an IPO, et cetera. There are lots and lots of resources for those folks. 
But for the person who wants to open a coffee roasting business or, you know, look through our guest list for the hundred or so episodes we've had. And you'll see this common theme of people who had a house painting business, a coffee roasting business, right? A cafe, um, uh, shared space, uh, shared office space. Those are all sort of grassroots entrepreneurial endeavors that people have have uh, started. And there's not a lot of resources for those people. So th- this is exactly the the niche that Andrew's going after as well. He said, hey, you know what? There's there's a whole large segment of the entrepreneurial community that's typically underserved. Uh, in the in the existing way, they're served sort of many times by the but the municipality, the county, or the town, or the city might have an economic development organization that is targeted as helping those folks. But I think Andrew Andrew's trying to turn that crank up a few times uh, to a few uh, higher levels uh, with his day one program. Yeah, he's got that really nice background in business design. He's got the MBA with the design mixed in and worked in the consulting world. And he really had this interesting mix of experiences. And I loved his story about how he didn't really know what he wanted to do. And then he kind of, you know, X'd off finance and X'd off law. And right, there was all these other things left. And and this is really cool. One of his central kind of premises on this was this idea of community and and allowing entrepreneurs to develop a community around them. Uh, this idea that nobody develops, uh, uh, nobody, nobody becomes an entrepreneur by themselves. Um, and I think this is kind of unstated in the traditional world of incubators and VCs, but he's really brought it front and center. What are, you, what are your thoughts about this idea of community when you're founding a business? So I, I, think, <clears throat> I think this is something that we need to focus on more. Um, and let me try to draw an analogy if, if you think about some of the best uh, education, higher education organizations, uh, think about, let's just talk about MBAs, and let's talk about the Harvard MBA. And everyone says it's not necessarily the content, but it's that community that you build in the two years you spend together as a cohort working on your MBA. And it's those connections that pay off later in life. You know, so there's an example from higher ed. And I think we don't do that in business. We, we, we tend to be very almost isolated in business. And we have, we have done things uh, around here and in my past where we've done CEO uh, dinners once a month where we've gotten together small company CEOs and sort of a loose-knit group. Uh, somebody hosts a dinner and, and all the CEOs sort of get together and you know, share their stories, et cetera. And and as a VC firm, we did that for a while. We we sponsored those, and 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 we sort of helped facilitate those. And 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 they were they were I think effective, um, and they still continue. Uh, so this notion of community uh, is one that I think in the business world tends to shy away from, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's if it's fear of competition or what sort of the ethos is, but, but we tend to shy away from it. And I think it's, an, I think it's important that we, we do that more because, you know, I even reflect back on, on, on connections I've made and I reflect back on, on my career. And this is, this is how I think about this, right? So I've had, I think, over my career, uh, 40 plus years, 11 jobs, 11 different jobs. 
and I have applied to a lot of, I, res, I replied to a lot of classified ads, right? I, I would read the Wall Street Journal looking for jobs and I'd send off my resume. And out of those 11 jobs, I got just one of them via the sending off your resume route. All of the other ones came from my community, right? People I knew who made a connection for me or knew of something and passed it on to me, et cetera. So I think this notion of community is real important. And it's not only important in our personal lives, I think it's important in our business lives. And I think as a, as a business person, the best thing you can do is figure out and build your community uh, and, and, and the structure within, within, whether it be regional or whether it be national, it doesn't matter, whether it be industry specific or geographic specific, again, I don't think it matters, but build that community. And I think that this is what Andrew does in, in his organization because he puts people together. And, and naturally, you're going you're gonna to develop relationships and friendships from that and sort of have a community that just evolves from it. Interesting, Bela. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, my last kind of question for you is, again, kind of putting on your VC hat and your incubator uh, director hat. So you know, interesting, he chooses not to take a percentage. It's kind of a flat fee, right? Almost a tuition model. Um, do you think that's sustainable? And is that is that going to work for him in the long run? What's your what's your thought? So I, I think uh, here's my view on that. And I think I, I said this, I can't remember if we talked about this uh, off microphone with him or it was part of the interview. Uh, but when I was at RPI, uh, running their incubator, their university-based incubator at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, um, we did not take an equity stake in the companies, and and it was uh, in the in the late '80s and '90s uh, and early 2000s. It became very fashionable uh, to start that these incubators take uh, a percentage, right? And uh, with the notion of oh, we're gonna you know we're gonna cash in and, and make a big pile of money, and uh, I reflected back on all of the companies that came through the RPI incubator, and there was many of them. Uh, we never took an equity stake. And we had, I think, uh, two, three companies that went public, and this is over 40 years, I think three companies that went public, uh, a, a pretty good handful, a, almost a dozen that got bought. So, so people had good exits, right? The, the founders mm -hmm. and owners had good exits. And and almost all of them made a very nice, large contribution back to the university mm -hmm. because they were thankful for the experience of of sort of, you know, of, of being of what help they got and assistance they got in their early days. And I think that that amount far exceeded any equity stakes we would have taken because you're going to get. The, 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 the truth of it is you're going to get common shares. They're going to get diluted down to, to nothing. And there, there's this provision of called pay to play, um, which means that uh, when a VC comes in, if you're a previous investor or shareholder, even if you have preferred shares, uh, if you don't invest in this new round, they're going to force you to convert to common shares and, and mm -hmm. you basically get wiped out. So. Mm -hmm. that's just the reality of that game. And we could do a whole episode on that, the intricacies of that, but that's, that's for another time. Uh, so my point is that I think this is sustainable, assuming he provides good value add. And cause people will remember, 
right? People will remember. It's just like universities, right? They, some universities get a lot of donations from their alumni because their alumni are thankful uh, and appreciate the experience they had at the university. And yeah. it's almost like he should start a foundation that goes along with this that you could donate to. Right. Right. Because that's the difference between what he's doing. It's a for-profit company and what we've been doing in academics, which is a nonprofit model. Right. right? And the right. donations were important in the U.S. Yeah. model anyways. Yeah. That's a good idea. G- given the, the tax structure here in the United States, if you have a foundation, you know, your donations are tax deductible. So uh, lots of things here in this country are driven by our tax codes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think he's doing a good job. I think, I think it's, you know, it's still early. Uh, we'll see. Uh, these things are, are challenge are a challenge. They're, they're, they're a lot of work. They're difficult to do. Um, but I, I like to know, I like his energy. I, I like the way he sort of found this niche. He knows mm-hmm. what it is, right? And he's sticking to it. He's not going for the glory of, Oh, I want to, I want to find the next IPO, right? He's, right. he's, he's not going to be a millionaire from this. There's no way in heck. Right. 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 And, this is a lifestyle and, business, right? And, in know, a lot of ways. Ninety-seven percent of businesses in this country fit this model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only three percent fit the VC model. Yep. Right. But lots so, of profitable businesses, right? I mean, we've talked to all these people in this ninety-seven percent that do that do fine. Right. That's right. They do fine. They do very, they're adding very value. Well. Right. They're contributing <laughs> to the tax base. They're employing people. Right. Right. But they don't get all the PR. Right. It, the IPOs no. get all the. Uh, get of all course. the PR, uh, so the 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 PR is skewed, um, but the impact um, by by the smaller businesses is 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 huge, and it's yeah. very important and critical to any vibrant uh, economy. Yeah, and you know we're recording this and it's still in the COVID time essentially, um, and that's one of the good things that's stemmed from COVID, even though it's been horrible for a lot of small businesses, is. I've just heard so many people say, oh, I've been trying to do business with these small businesses. I've been trying to order some takeout. I've been trying to order online from my local hardware store, things like that, that it's brought the the importance of small businesses to the fabric of a community, uh, I think, to the forefront. And hopefully that's something that once we get past COVID, that that stays, right, as people remember how important these local businesses are to to the sense of community. And, uh, and, And maybe that's a little something here that he's helping to bring out. And if so, I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the earlier conversation, the discussion we had about community and the importance of community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think part of, again, culturally, the flight to the suburbs sort of, uh, in many ways, uh, uh, disenfranchised the community in some respect, right? Or the community was sort of different. It was about where your kids, it was about your kids playing soccer together. That was the community. It wasn't really the community where you lived, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was other factors. And, and I think that's coming back now. And I know they've done some programs around here, particularly over this holiday season of uh, shop local, you know, buy from mm-hmm. your local merchants. And there was just recently an article uh, in the news that uh, uh, the local merchants have done quite well this, this year here, right? Be- because of that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, people are starting to appreciate that and sort of return of the value of, of community. Yeah. Let's put that on the die. I think two things are takeaways from this Bayliz. One is I think we should get back together with Andrew Hutton in a year or nine months or something and see how he's doing and see how this model is working. And I think it might be neat to do a whole episode on this idea of community and, and what it means. Cause I think entrepreneurship, I think you made a really great point that entrepreneurship and community are intertwined. 
mostly, right? This this 80% or whatever percentage it is, right? 90% entwined with the community. And so maybe better understanding what community means and maybe even doing some comparisons between what community means in the US versus what it means here in Germany might be yeah. interesting to talk about for a half an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's a good idea, Mike. As usual, you always have good ideas. Mm, yeah. All right, what do you think? Should we wrap it up? I think so. All right. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found this episode as interesting and thought-provoking as we did. If you have questions about what we've discussed, uh, please do get in touch with us. We are always happy to hear from you. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, you can find the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting applications. Just hit the subscribe button. Hey, and if you really like it, love to hear from you or even better yet, uh, leave a review of the podcast. It helps other people find it as well. So, uh, hey, Mike, until next time, I'll see you. Thanks, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. See you soon.